What the fuck is up, world? Bialy, Tlantic, back. We back in this bitch. Another fucking podcast for that ass. It's been about three weeks now since my last podcast. And I know on my last podcast, I said it wouldn't be another three weeks until my next podcast. But as I said many times before, you already know the deal, dog. I just say shit sometimes. I don't even mean it. I just say words. And, you know, I have these fucking thoughts going on in my head. And I just hope the words catch up in enough time to make sense of them. Properly articulate them. And many of the times, I don't even fucking mean them. Again, just words. Okay? So I can tell you here that I don't intend to go another three weeks without another Grito podcast. But it's probably a fucking lie. I know that I'll never stop doing it, that's much for sure. But even then, that's a lie, because one day I will die. And then, you know, from there, no more podcasts from your boy to be had. Until that day, though, I shall continue to remain as consistent as possible. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get into it, man. Why not? Quick fucking get the formalities out of the way. If you haven't already, follow your boy on the gram. OG underscore ice nice 13. Uh, I'll post plenty of shit up on there that you can follow along with not just the podcast, but other philosophy shit related as well. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning into the podcast from not social media, but rather from one of the podcast apps. What's up, dog? It's good to see you. I'm glad that you're back again. For those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. I gave the welcome message to the new time listeners in the last podcast, but it remains the same. I hope you find what you're looking for through my podcast. And if you don't, I hope that you do inevitably settle upon something that'll bring you the joy and happiness that this podcast has certainly brought to me, as well as the other podcasts that I listen to in life. So I, what I'm trying to say is I know how important podcasts are to people, dog. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, let's get straight into this bitch because I got 12 names. I got fucking 12 pages of notes lined up for this motherfucking podcast. Okay. And I guess what we're going to start with is I, I want to keep I'm going to start off just by fucking qualifying it by saying that I hate to keep hitting you all with these seemingly self-serving podcasts. OK, but honestly, I'm just I'm going through it right now, homie. OK, and talking it out on this medium is helping me to get through it. And it's honestly my sincere desire that it can help you if you're going through it as well. I mean, dog, I don't know who isn't going through it right now in 2020. This year fucking sucks. Right. So um, it's understandable. But aside from even if it wasn't this fucking catastrophe of a year uh, as the as the homie, Simon, Simon, I don't, I'm just going to go with Simon, essay, right? Uh, messaged and reached out and said, yeah, dog, it's the unique click that I think that, you know, I've, I've cast out the, the beacon, if you will. And I've attracted the unique click of sad boys and girls that are fucking all sorts of different things at the same time, but primarily the sad boy part and the sad girl part. You know what I'm saying? So chances are, if you're listening to this, you're definitely fucking going through it as well. It's just a constant everyday struggle. But hey, say la vie. We're still here. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, um, I guess part of the reason that I want to qualify it by that is by saying that obviously I've been very stagnant. And I've realized that when I stopped to think about it, I began to get consumed when I'm fucking feeling stagnant. Um, I'm starting to realize that one of the things that I, has been preoccupying me more so than just sitting with my emotions is I've been fucking just j jumping on the ground, bro. And um, it's kind of weird, you know what I'm saying, when you stop and think about it, because it's 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 strange that uh, the very first instinct that we have, that I have at least, whenever I start getting hit with these fucking thoughts, is to reach for my phone and get on the gram. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why is because I realize that it's very comforting, but it's 
a numbing feeling that only really provides it a temporary form of solace and not a real happiness. You know what I'm saying? It's like that fake love that our boy Drake is talking about. Okay. It's not real solace and it certainly isn't true happiness. It's fake shit, dog. And you know, the problem is that fake shit can feel so real to quote one of those memes that I've seen floating around the gram on various occasions. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I try to be mindful of this activity of that, right? And actually sit with my demons for a while. But you know, it's some scary shit, bro. Uh, and it's honestly how this podcast was born in the first place. And you know, now that comfort has been introduced into my life, again, going back to some of the things that I talked about in the previous podcast, that flame that drove the podcast has slightly begun to flicker just a little bit, right? Now, obviously, like I mentioned, I'm not going to stop doing the podcast, but it's just trippy to realize that the crazy part is that I know exactly what it is that I have to change, right? In order to get back to where I was when I first started this fucking podcast. It's actually not that fucking big of a mystery for me. I know exactly what I have to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, the problem is I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm just going to be fucking honest with you, man. Okay. Um, at the same time, though, I dread the feeling of knowing that I'm not doing it. Okay. Harkening back to our podcast on Heidegger. And uh, I will go, okay. Um, that I'll go to my deathbed, if you will, as another one of the billions of people that have before me with all these unfulfilled lives and all these unfulfilled dreams that we never accomplished. Okay. That's literally some shit that keeps me up in the middle of the fucking night. And, um, it's this terrible weight, if you will, of not knowing that I didn't, of knowing rather that I didn't, you know, I didn't leave it all on the battlefield, if you will. We only get, we are all just soldiers in this battlefield called life. Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers tells us, you know what I'm saying? And the realization that once the time comes to depart the playing field, the battlefield, uh, the feeling associated with knowing that you didn't really give it your all, dog. And now there's nothing you can do about it because your time is fucking up. You know what I'm saying? That shit haunts me. It keeps me up at fucking night. But for some reason, I just still can't seem to fucking get up off my ass and make shit happen. You know what I'm saying? And that's the stagnancy that I'm talking about that has led me to fucking seek solace in the form of social media in order to avoid uh, devastating feelings that are associated with it. Okay. Now, part of the reason why I'm, you know, kind of terrified of it is honestly, I, I, like I said, I know what I have to do and it's pretty fucking demanding, man. And if I'm being honest, it gets very difficult, very tiring to maintain it day in and day out. Okay. My problem is, and I only stating this because I'm assuming that probably it is yours too. And if not, maybe, you know, uh, you know, somebody that it is, we, it gets tiring having to do this every day. Right. And eventually we, I, I know me personally, I quit on myself, bro. And I always mask this quitting as you know, the thought that I quote unquote deserve a break. But deep down, I know that this is just cognitive dissonance fucking with me, dog. Cognitive dissonance in the sense that it's just me coming up with some fucking sort of psychological excuse to be able to justify the fact that I'm fucking quitting on myself. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, as comforting as this excuse is, right? It's again, circles back to that problem of fake happiness. Not having to wake up at the butt crack of dawn, it's comforting but it's not real happiness. You know what I'm saying? And in looking for any excuse to keep me from having to wake up in the morning, right? All it's realistically doing in the long run is keeping me from doing the work necessary to be happy. Okay. Now, the other reason I don't like to do it is because I honestly don't like the person that it makes me at times. Um, what I'm trying to say with it is that I'm trying to get, I get a lot done, right? No doubt when I'm being productive, but I also get hyper militant. And that always careens me to outright anxiety. The hyper-militancy always leads me to straight up fucking outright 
fucking anxiety, bro. Right. And what I mean by anxiety is because I have a very strict regimen, a very strict schedule. Now that I'm fucking saying it out loud, it's like, yeah, dog, that's the ADHD kicking in. But, you know, we got to fight through the shit. But um, and when shit doesn't go right, when shit goes fucking a tad ask you. Fucks up my whole day, fucks up my attitude. And then it makes me into an angry person. I'm hostile and I'm pissed off. Not at any person in particular, but at myself. Okay. And, you know, so in this frustration with myself for being that kind of person, I get frustrated with myself rather for being that hostile, angry person because I don't want to be that kind of person. And I give myself another way out, okay, to not be in that kind of behavior. So that's kind of where I find myself right now currently. You know what I mean? So it kind of just goes back to the example that I've given in the previous two podcasts about spinning my wheels, but never really going anywhere. All right. There's this, uh, for those of you who are American Dad fans, I fucking love American Dad. And for those of you who are fellow American Dad fans, there's this great fucking episode where it's Roger, where he's talking about how he's the decider. Okay. Roger, the decider, he gets to decide the fate of the universe. Okay. And he's all proud of this shit. Um, and finally he gets called out on being the fucking decider. And it turns out that he's nothing more than a fucking glorified crash test dummy. And the reason I bring this shit up, man, is because I've always kind of fucking felt the same way. I've always felt, you know, I've always felt that I've, I was special, that I was meant to do something in life. You know what I'm saying? Since I was a kid, I was always told that for sure. But I also felt it like deep inside of me. But now that I'm fucking 33 staring down 34 and ain't shit really happening, I'm starting to wonder like, yo, am I just a fucking glorified version of a crash test dummy in life? I'm fucking marked by this grandiosity, this fucking self-consumed. So, so, fucking, it's just so disgusting just even talking about it. You know what I mean? I feel so gross with myself so self-consumed and so fucking self-aggrandizing, okay? Um, it may very well be that I'm not any of that, bro. I'm just a glorified fucking crash test dummy like Roger the alien. I'm not a decider. I'm just one among the fence to quote Coheed and Cambria. You know what I'm saying? And um, sometimes that shit hits so hard, dog. It honestly got to me feeling like just giving up. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, fuck it. If it's not meant to be something great, then what's the point of even doing nothing at all? More of that ADHD fucking... Uh, there's other sorts of, you know, BPD, if you want to be real fucking honest about it, depression, anxiety, it's that all or nothing. It's called splitting. You know what I mean? It's called all or nothing or it's called splitting, but it's all or nothing. I'm either going to get everything out of life or I'm going to get nothing out of it at all. I'm either going to get everything out of this relationship or I'm going to get nothing out of it at all. That's what I'm talking about here when it comes to this. And that's how the feeling that leads to me personally, at least when it comes to the splitting, you know what I'm saying? Now, don't get me twisted. I'm not sharing this to inspire sympathy because fuck that woe is I type shit. That's not why I'm mentioning it, okay? I'm mentioning it to keep it real. Like, honestly, if you've been listening along to this podcast, if you're just joining along, radical honesty is my fucking... It's the key, dog. You have to be 100% honest, not only with yourself, but with other people as well, okay? Uh, sometimes it's for your benefit. Honestly, it's always for your benefit. It might come at the fucking expense of, you know, someone's feelings, maybe even a relationship. But radical honesty is the fucking, it, it's, it's the key, okay, to this recovery process that hood philosophy is predicated upon, right? And so I'm not saying it's to fucking inspire sympathy, like, oh my God, poor ice, you know? Nah, dog, fuck that. What was I type shit? The truth is, I'm gonna never give up till I spit my last motherfucking breath. I've mentioned it before. It bears repeating again. This shit is not going nowhere. I'm gonna rock it till the motherfucking wheels fall off, okay? I just won't honestly try in a meaningful way that will allow myself the bitch ass cop out excuse of, hey, at least I tried. 
So I won't quit. I just won't commit 100% in a way that will fucking yield the changes that I actually desire. And in doing so, I allow myself another bitch-ass, weak-ass excuse cop-out of, hey, at least I fucking tried. You know what I'm saying? But nah, dog, fuck that. That's just another one of the many traps that I'm starting to realize that we have to fight through in order to fucking live this life of value that we desire for ourselves. So in circling back then, it's just, it's crazy, man, because like, I've come to the point now where I'm legit. I realized, dog, I'm fucking magic, bro. But not just me, yo. You too. Like, straight the fuck up. We're magic, dog. And I don't mean that in this fucking new age, hippie, fucking woo-woo sense. I mean it in the sense that, like, legitimately, we're fucking made of star stuff. Consciousness is fucking magic, bro. And it's the truth when we state that we're capable of making, very much capable of making these great things happen in life, okay? Not just me but you as well, everybody on this planet. But the problem is, at least for me, I'm starting to realize that I have untamed magic, bro. And what I mean by that is that it's magic that I just, I don't know how to properly yield in my benefit just yet, okay? Um, now, this is, I, I don't want to get it twisted with some fucking universe positive thinking like, oh, just send out your good intentions to the universe because it's more than just that type of shit, okay? It's more than just sending out a good intention and asking for the universe to reward you in, uh, accordingly, okay? It's about learning the magic of the mind, if you will, and utilizing intentions to manifest the reality that we deserve, okay? Now, it might sound like I just said the same thing twice over, a little bit more complicated the second time, but honestly, listen to what I'm telling you here. It's about putting in that fucking work. This is not a fucking grand, and this is not a grand discovery. People have figured this shit out long before I have, okay? What I'm trying to figure out is how they did it, okay? I know that we can all do it because we all have the potential. We all have the ability to do it. But how? How do you tame that magic? How do you learn that magic? How do you tame the mind? How do you make the mind do what it does? the body doesn't want to do? You know what I'm saying? So in this sense, I'm not going to front, dog. I feel like having a father would have been clutch. <laughs> now, again, I'm not fucking saying this. It's because I'm trying to inspire sympathy. I can't emphasize it enough. It's not about the woe is I life, dog. Okay? Because honestly, the dude that knocked up my mom, he's a piece of shit. And I know for a fact that I'm better off having never met the motherfucker. Okay? What I am saying instead is that there's a lot to be said about being guided in life by those who have the proper experience to help you learn how to not only make decisions that are in your best interest, but learn how to utilize this magic, dog. Yo, I'm like legit honest with you when I tell you this. I'm a fucking shaman, dog. A demonic shaman out here in the middle, fuck in the desert, blowing chronic or whatever the fuck. You know what I'm saying? Okay, maybe not that last part, but definitely, or the first part, but definitely the second part. I'm not demonic. I ain't blowing chronic, but I'm definitely the shaman. You know what I'm saying? And the problem is that, you know, in traditional indigenous cultures, people like myself, we would have had a mentor to teach us how to tame this magic, to, to teach us how to become the shamans that our fucking peoples deserve. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have that. I don't have that fucking figure in my life. Okay. I don't have that, uh, that guiding figure. Okay. Who's, you know, that's going to teach the proper experience to help me, you learn how to not only make decisions that are in our best interests, but learn how to utilize this magic, okay? And I bring it up because honestly, this shit cuts to the core of fucking hood philosophy, bro. Remember, hood philosophy is a philosophy for the hood and it's for a philosophy by the hood, okay? 
It's a philosophy by motherfuckers like me who, who didn't have guidance, who didn't connect with the guidance that we were offered. And people who are just trying to make it out of the hood still, despite all of that, nonetheless, we're still trying to fucking get out this bitch. You know what I'm saying? It's like J. Cole said, dog, no role models to speak of. And that's some real shit, yo. Now, I should qualify it because I am fortunate enough in that I had my grandfather, okay? And honestly, it's almost certainly my grandfather, the only reason that I'm doing this podcast right now and not knee deep in the belly of the imperialist, colonial American beast like the rest of the fucking people that I grew up with, dog. Why? Because he provided just enough guidance in a fucking prominent or a positive male figure to keep me out from the fucking strap or the traps rather than all my other homies fell into. But outside of that, there really was no guidance, dog. There was no mom and dad at home, okay? And we were basically left to figure this shit out on our own, which is where I'm currently at still in the moment. I'm still operating despite the fact that I've done, you know, a lot of healing and a lot, a lot of fucking soul work and all that kind of shit. I'm still operating in many ways off fucking basic fucking patterns of behavior that have en enabled me to survive up until this point. You know what I mean? And I'm starting to realize that, yo, that's kind of basically what the majority of the hood is, dog. It's just a bunch of lost motherfuckers with mad potential who were never, ever really able to piece it all together for no other reason than, yo, we just weren't taught how and we were never able to figure it out on our own. It could be because the government took our fucking parents away, either through immigration, through the fucking prison industrial complex, through drugs, whatever the case might be. Or maybe our own parents were just pieces of shit and didn't want to be a part of our lives to begin with, okay? Whatever the case is, we as the fucking children that were born to these people, we're just left with no fucking basic life skills, yo, base, and, and essentially, okay? And, you know, sometimes I think to myself, and maybe that's what my life is supposed to be. Maybe my life is supposed to meant to be nothing more, if you will, than an example of what other people should not do. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the case, whatever the case, when it comes to this fucking father figure, this is a dope insight by, again, my boy, Friedrich Nietzsche, okay, that attests to this, right? And that's that, it's highlighted by his quote that, it goes something along the lines that he who is without a father figure or she who is without a father figure should do their best to procure one as early as possible, okay? Now, I'm not going to get all sentimental and be like, oh, Nietzsche's that father figure to me because, nah, dog, fuck that shit. It ain't that crucial, okay? There is, however, no doubt that he is the person that's been to where I'm trying to go. You know what I'm saying? He's been, he's the person who became the person I'm trying to become. And as such, he is the person, the type of person that I'm striving to emulate. If we were talking in terms of morality, he would be what we refer to as a moral exemplar, bro. You know what I'm saying? And the one thing I desire most is to be the active life striver that Nietzsche himself was. Okay. Now, what this active life striving means, it's basically in stark contradistinction to that, you know, the life negator that is essentially everything I've mentioned above. I've been a life negator. I'm still a life negator to this day. You know what I'm saying? You got plenty of sleep when you die, dog. Wake your ass up early in the morning. There's plenty of time to rest when you fucking die, dog. Who cares how fucking tired you are? Keep fucking plugging along. You know what I'm saying? Fuck that life negating bullshit. Fuck laying around doing nothing. Okay. It's about being an active striver of life. Right. And I know shit is fucked up in my life. Me personally, when I'm involved in many of the life negating practices that are doing nothing more than 
numbing me from the seeming pain of existence. Note the word seeming, because in reality, it's not really pain, dog. It's just existence. The word pain is a negative fucking association that we ascribed to the feeling of uncomfortability. But in reality, that's just existence, dog. Okay. The value is nothing more, again, than that which we ascribe to it. Okay. So in this sense, then the word pain entails this negative connotation that in true Nietzschean form, it's evident of nothing more than the weakness in the way that I personally am interfacing with reality. When I say that life is fucking difficult, when I say that life is pain, it's it's just a reflection essentially of me and the way that I am personally interfacing with reality because the weakness, the pain, the joy, the suffering, it's all one part of a large conglomerate known as reality. And to when we start chunking it up and start reacting it in such a ways that, you know, it, I should qualify it by stating that it's not meant to be this fucking reductionist approach to emotions. I'm not telling you to be stoic about it. I'm telling you to recognize, I'm telling me to recognize that it 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 it, it is what it is. It is just it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And that to ascribe the negative connotation to it, to come at it from this negative mindset, and again, it's just evident of nothing more than a weakness in my behalf. You know what I'm saying? On your behalf. So in returning back to this fucking active life striving. What the, what the point is then is that, you know, instead of actively engaging with life and all that it has to offer, what I'm really doing is seeking to negate life by engaging in these placating practices like drinking too much, eating too much, quote unquote, comfort food, um, sleeping in too much, trying to fuck too much, dog. You know what I'm saying? Everything except that which I know is necessary to live a fulfilling life. Don't get me twisted, dog. Fucking drinking, I admit drinking like, hey, give or take, right? But definitely fucking, you know what I'm saying? Uh, eating some good food every now and then, enjoying some nice company, dog. Like that also makes for a good life. The Being on social media every now and then, like that shit makes for a good, happy life. Like it adds to the experience of reality. What I'm saying is that is when we get lost in these practices and in order to try to escape the fucking quote unquote pain of life, that shit starts to get difficult. That's when shit starts to become problematic in our own personal lives, or at least in my own personal life. You know what I'm saying? Because essentially what we've done is we've reduced ourselves to nothing more than a common street dog. And this is that very nature, right? This life striving philosophy is attempting to overcome the Darwinian beasthood, if you will, as Nietzsche is going to refer to it, right? And where we break from this Darwinian beasthood is most pronounced, again, in the active search for struggle, this fucking life asserting, right? This life striving attitude where we're looking for a fucking struggle because it's through the struggle where we become stronger. That which does not kill me makes me stronger. That's Nietzsche, dog. And that's what he's talking about. You know what I'm saying? He's talking specifically because, you know, I should, I should caution it that I'm going to talk about his slightly. I'm not going to get deep into it. I'll just mention it now. Get the fuck over it. Um, he was anti-alcohol, Nietzsche, right? Because he felt as though it numbed his experience of reality and it placated him and made him feel as though everything was okay when it wasn't. Um, but this is coming from someone who was fucking hopped up on a pharmacopoeia of pharmaceuticals because he was trying to self-medicate himself from the disease that he had been infected with. You know what I'm saying? So like, maybe take a, take what he's saying with a grain of salt, okay? But in this particular sense, well, and, and I was telling me further circle it back, uh, that which does not kill me makes me stronger. He's talking about the illness. He speaks specifically about even if he had the opportunity to fucking cure the illness, that he wouldn't because the illness is what inspired him to become the great philosopher. And that what he should do instead, amor fati, baby, 
is actively strive to seek struggle because the struggle is itself what makes life worth living, okay? So when we state this active life striving, that's what he's talking about. You should look for the struggles in life because it's in the struggles of life where life reveals itself to us, if you will, okay? Now, these similarities to another philosophy known as hedonism are not accidental, okay? But, and I'll get into hedonism maybe on another fucking lecture, another podcast, I should state. But um, I always caution that we not make the immediate correlation between hedonism and Nietzschean philosophy as there's a critical, there are, there's critical differences, man, okay? Namely, those which arise from the active search for struggle inherent with life striving, okay? So again, these hedonic similarities, they're not by accident, bro. They're not accidental, Okay. Uh, as Nietzsche's conception of power is probably the one that's most closely associated with it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's likened to hedonism's conception of pleasure. Okay. Now, the problem, and this is where it first starts to get introduced, is that the hedonic pre- uh, pleasure principle is predicated on the sustained attitude of enjoyment. Okay. Prescribed by attitudinal happiness. Whereas Nietzsche's power, while similarly predicated on pleasure and happiness, insists that both are nothing more than a symptom of man's woman's true goal, which is to attain, which is to attain rather increased levels of power. Power is what we're going to focus on today a little bit. Okay. Now, the reason why this state this gets uh, uh, muddied with hedonism is because when we hear the word hedonism, many of us who aren't philosophically uh, versed, we automatically ascribe it to the physical pleasures that is associated, namely through the Bible. Okay. But that's realistically uh, not what the hedonists are talking about. They're not talking about physical pleasures. In fact, the hedonists like Nietzsche are going to outwardly reject physical pleasures. They're going to state that they're the, mo- the lowest, most vulgar form of pleasures that induce happiness. It's not even real happiness. It's that fake shit. You know what I mean? They're speaking again of attitudinal pleasures, the, those which bring about the sustained attitude of enjoyment and pleasure, which we'll get into here shortly. Okay. But for now, I guess the best way that I can put it, the most important part here is referring, is referring back to the fucking increased levels of power that are associated with when we actively strive to find the struggles in life. The example that I always give in my courses is I always ask my students to imagine that it, let even some of them don't have to imagine too hard because I know for a fact some of my students fucking hate in my course, but that's neither here nor, nor there, right? Not everything is for everyone. But um, for the, I generally say this to the students that didn't hate it, right? Let's just assume, for instance, that you hated every second in this particular class, okay? Uh, but you stuck with it and you tried to learn as much from it as possible throughout the semester, leaving nothing on the field as it were. Okay. Throughout the process. The point is that at the end of it, you might've fucking hated it, but at the end of it, you will ideally be happy for having done so as you understand that, you know, you now possess a little bit of power, a little bit of more power that you had before to overcome similar and potentially even greater difficulties. You know what I'm saying? So simply put, your power has increased. You've leveled up, dog. You've stepped your game up. Congratulations. But if you didn't give it your all, you didn't realistically cheat anyone but yourself. You know what I mean? This is what I realize every time the, the alarm goes off in the morning and I hit snooze for three or four times. Dog, you're not cheating anybody. The gym's going to be there. No one gives a fuck if you're there. Okay? You're only cheating yourself because you're going to hit the snooze alarm so many times that you're going to get up late and not be able to work out. And now the rest of your day is going to be completely shot to shit because you were too much of a weak-willed bitch to wake up in the fucking morning when you had to and the alarm went off seeking comfort instead of the fucking struggle that you knew would inherently result in more happiness. You know what I'm saying? Again, the realization that we're only cheating ourselves when we don't give our all, okay? 
And as much as we like to, you know, try to place the blame somewhere else, or whether you even realize it or not, the fault will always rest entirely with us, okay? Now, to be fair, you could, of course, do what most of us would be inclined to do and blame others except for ourselves. In terms of the course, for instance, you could blame the professor. But realistically, you realize that at any point throughout the semester, you could have, you know, tried harder. Or if you really fucking hated it that much, you could have fucking dropped, okay? In terms of waking up early in the morning, you could have done all sorts of things to fucking, you know, ensure that you woke up. Put the fucking phone on the other side of the room, force yourself to get up and turn it off. You know what I'm saying? Or just simply quit fucking lying to yourself and admit the fact that you don't want to wake up and you don't want to work out, etc. Quit deluding yourself. Quit placating ourselves, essentially, is what this philosophy is telling us. You know what I'm saying? But we don't. Um, and the point is that we don't because we're weak. We're powerless. We're too powerless to even admit the fact that we're weak and powerless. Okay? And in this weakness and in this powerlessness, there has festered inside of us a feeling of what is referred to as, again, I've mentioned it before, but resentment, okay, that we develop, whether it be towards the class, whether it be towards working out, whether it be towards waking up in the morning, eating healthy, it doesn't matter, okay? This fucking resentment that serves as the foundation for our misguided anger, okay? This deep-seated fucking jealousy, right? That serves to fucking motivate our fucking most vile tendencies and behaviors. The reality, though, is that, yo, philosophy, it doesn't suck, dog. There's a reason it's a staple at every university around the world and has been practiced by every single human being that has ever existed, okay? By every culture, at least. Waking up early doesn't suck, dog. There's a reason why people all over the world do it every single day, eating clean, working out, etc. Those things don't suck, okay? There's a reason why people do them. What does suck is our attitude towards these things. It may be something that you don't value, or maybe it's something that you do value, but you're not really committing yourself too deeply to fucking make any meaningful change from it. Like I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, whatever the case is, it always boils down to us personally. And the goal then is to remove from ourselves this fucking placating tendency that we have to you know, rid ourselves of the negative emotions that are come associated with realizing that no one failed us but ourselves, essentially. You know what I'm saying? Again, the answer is, and always, only ever will be you, me. You suck, but there's good news. You can get better. I suck, but there's good news. I can get better. It's not going to be easy. That's to be fucking for sure. But it absolutely is not impossible. People fucking do it all the time, okay? So the question then really it's not about why the class, your job, your life, whatever else sucks, but rather why you, why I don't do anything to stop it from being so. You know what I'm saying? Even though we've had the power the entire time to actually do so. So the point I'm trying to make here is that, yeah, dog, we can keep blaming everything and everyone else for why shit is going wrong in our life, okay? Or we can take complete ownership of it and make it work, uh, it, it, it work in a way, you know, that is beneficial to us or to use the more Nietzschean fucking parlance to make it a work of art that is, you know, more suitable for our aesthetic sensibilities. You know what I'm saying? So this, this, this right here of all reasons is honestly why I hate identity politics. Okay. Trust me, bro. I was balls deep in that life not too long ago. Okay. And at one point I was truly convinced that it was because of the white man that my life was absolute shit. If you had asked me at my point in my life when this was, okay, which wasn't that fucking long ago, let me tell you, I could have given you all the academic reasons behind why white men were evil and responsible for why my life was a fucking disaster, okay? 
And I would have felt 100% convinced that I was right and that you, as a fucking non-educated plebe, were wrong. But that's fucking colonial bullshit, dog. That's condescending bullshit. For one, you don't need a college degree to be fucking smart. Let me tell you, okay? Two, the reality is that all the quote-unquote knowledge that I thought that I had was realistically doing nothing more than fucking harming me in the long run. So... I mean, they say that knowledge is power, but if the knowledge, the alleged knowledge that you have is hurting you, how can that be powerful or beneficial in any way? This is the part of that Kanye West lecture or podcast. I keep calling it a lecture, man. I miss fucking teaching in-person classes. Online classes are dope, but man, I can't wait to get back in the classroom. Fuck you, COVID. Anyways, the point is, uh, there's a, part, a Kanye West lecture forthcoming, and it's going to be all about this shit right here, okay? But for now, what I'm trying to state is that my life, it really was, dog, an absolute mess at that point, okay? And I know I've spoken on it before, but I never really got into the specifics of how I would, you know, sleep up to 16 hours a day, for instance, at the worst part. And when that, and that when I would wake up, I'd still be fucking tired and irritable. So, of course, the first thing I do is start talking shit about white people for creating a system that I wasn't succeeding in. Because if you fucking have this victim's mentality where it's always the white person that's responsible for all the evils in your life, that's what you do, okay? Now, don't get me twisted. Again, I'm not saying that this system that we're living in doesn't exist. And I'm not saying, okay, that white people haven't done evil shit. What I'm saying is that I wasn't necessarily doing myself any favors in trying to succeed in life, period, the best that I could by fucking sleeping 16 hours a day, by fucking being consumed with social media the majority of the eight hours a day that I was awake. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to tell you, dog. Right? And those eight hours that I'd be awake, you know, I'd piss and moan about how my fucking house was always dirty, how I never had any time to fucking read, to write, how I never had any chance to enjoy some personal alone time where I can just sit there and meditate and think, you know what I mean? Or start working on the goals that I had in life like this fucking podcast that I'm doing now, okay? And the only relief that I would find was mindlessly scrolling through social media, fucking following accounts that were undoubtedly being run by people in the same boat that I am, where all we would do is fucking sit there and talk shit about white people all day and how they're responsible for how shitty our fucking lives are. But again, and it, you know, it would bring me happiness and joy to an extent, but again, this wasn't real relief, man. It was that fake love, dog, because it would only be a matter of time before I stumbled across a profile of these motherfuckers that were out there really getting after it, dog. People who were actually fucking putting aside all the bullshit and really putting in the fucking work, right? And then again, these feelings of inadequacy would kick into high gear, bro, like fucking ultimate gear. Now, of course, I never acknowledged them as such because I was a pathetic, weak bitch and in many ways still am, okay? Um, and instead, I'd come up with excuses as to why they were making shit happen and why I wasn't. I wasn't making shit happen not because I was fucking sleeping 16 hours a day and consumed by social media for the eight hours a day that I was awake. I wasn't making shit happen because I was a fucking brown man living in racist America. Bullshit, dog. Okay? More bullshit. I would say that they were making shit happen because they're lucky. They're chosen. They're white. They're born into a good family. And even if they weren't white, it's because they were born with skills that I'd never possessed. Legit, I would think of any excuse that you could think of, dog, to strip these individuals of all the hard work it is that it took for them to get to where they are, to tear them down to my level for no other reason. I'm not even tearing them down, dog. They, were, they, they, had no, they have no clue I exist. I was tearing them down in my mind for no other reason than to make myself feel better, to try to diminish their fucking contributions to life. You know what I mean? But then I realized, yo, Lofty expectations, again, like playing in the NBA aside, there's nothing these motherfuckers out there are doing 
that I myself can be doing as well. The only difference is this Mamba mentality type shit, bro. They're actually getting up and making shit happen. And I'm just laying around like a fucking excuse making little fucking simp and making up reasons as to why I can't make shit happen. And it's here when I started to realize that I was directing my magic, if you will, in a very negative way, using it only to tear myself down. I thought I was tearing other people down, dog, but I wasn't. I was tearing myself down, okay? By saying all the things I thought I couldn't do instead of focusing or focusing rather on all the things that I could do. And in doing so, I limited the world that I could live in. I limited the, the scope of the world that I could live in, bro. Now, no doubt, I'm never going to go on to become the NBA Finals MVP. There's no question about it, okay? But I realized, yo, I could at the very least wash the fucking dishes in my sink, bro. I could at the very least take some time to meditate, to exercise, to read a book, to write, to eat healthy, to work on accomplishing the small tasks necessary that build up into larger goals, all in one day, no less, and still have time to enjoy time with my family and friends. It wasn't my family and friends' fault that I didn't have time to read, write, and fucking do all the things that I wanted to in life. It was my life, my fault for being a lazy piece of shit, sleeping all fucking day, and then being mindlessly consumed with social media when I was awake. You know what I'm saying? So stop blaming these people. Stop causing tension in your relationship. Stop being the fucking victim and get up and own your shit, dog. Not Don't sleep fucking eight, 16 hours a day, you lazy piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Quit complaining having about not having the time to do all the things that you want to do in life and fucking seize it, bro. We've all got 24 hours in a day. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, it, people don't get certain hours in a day more so than others. We all get 24. So realistically, what it boils down to is how you choose to use them. You could sleep two hours a day, work 22 of them. You know what I'm saying? Or vice versa. And most importantly, stop blaming the white man for all your fucking problems, dog. Now, there's no doubt that this shit, it didn't fucking happen overnight, bro. Okay. The change didn't fucking happen overnight. In fact, I remember when I finally realized I needed to make a change. I was legit fucking straight up miserable, dog, which isn't surprising. You can't fucking sleep 16 hours a day, eat a shit diet, fucking be consumed by mindless social media and expect to live a good life. It's just not going to happen, bro. We are not fucking wired that way. Okay. Um, and I was pretty desperate. Like I'm talking suicidal desperate to the point where I started to think to myself like, yo, what the fuck? Life is bullshit, bro. Like if this, is this all there is to life? Just fucking sleeping all day, waking up for a couple of hours and then fucking being miserable for those hours and then fucking going back to sleep for another 16 hours. Cause if it is, give me the fucking check, please. Cause I'm ready to go dog. Like it was that fucking crucial. Okay. But again, I'm not trying to cast shade on anybody. I'm not fucking, I'm not even going to talk dirt. I'm not going to talk down on it, bro. Because I don't think suicide is something that is made with a fucking light heart. I don't think suicide is, if anything, I, I, I think, oh, a coward like myself could never commit suicide. I'm a fucking coward. There's no question about it. I w it takes real fucking strength and resolve to have the pleasure to literally fight against your physical and biological fucking instincts to fucking off yourself. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's not a fucking... I'm not saying that one should do it. I'm not fucking condoning it. I'm just not condemning it, right? Because there are people that could potentially be listening to this who have a loved one who have experienced that. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to make you feel bad because of it. Or maybe you yourself have attempted suicide and you know you don't i'm not trying to fucking i'm not trying to make you feel bad you know what i'm saying that's what i mean when i say i'm not trying to cast shade all i'm saying is that it's just i'm i'm too much of a fucking coward it's not something i feel that way like fuck kill me now type shit but i'm i would never be able to do it or at least i think so you know what i mean you never know dog you never know
anyways, the point that I'm trying to say is that before I, I would actually fucking go off to the, you know, Lowe's or Home Depot to buy some fucking rope to buy to hang myself with, or, you know, some fucking ammunition to fucking blast myself in the face. Um, I decided, well, let's at least fucking try an alternative because, you know, for sure there's gotta be an alternative, right? And that's when I finally started to decide, like, okay, let's start small, dog. Let's fuck and I, I hate this part of my story because I always sound like fucking Jordan Peterson. I'm not trying to sound like Jordan Peterson. The fucking worst mistake that we can make is assume that Jordan Peterson created this fucking idea. His ideas existed forever, dog, okay? People cleaning their room, if you will, people making their bed. It fucking has it's manifested in various formations throughout the entirety of human existence. It's not new, okay? But this was actually independent of Jordan Peterson. I hadn't even heard of Jordan Peterson yet when I decided to make the change. It's like, okay, dog, let's start small. Let's fucking clean up around the house. Maybe you're so depressed because your fucking house is dirty. Wash the dishes. You know what I mean? Put the clothes away. And then from there, let's, let's, let's step it up a bit. Dog. Let's start waking up a little bit earlier. You don't sleep 16 hours a day. You don't even sleep 12 hours a day, 10 hours a day, dog. Let's go for eight hours a day. Just go for eight hours a day and see what the fucking difference it'll make. You know what I mean? But then it got to the point where it was like, oh, fuck, this is where the hyper militancy kicks in. You know what I'm saying? Like after like six months, it was like, fuck that. I need four hours of sleep and no more. And if you stay up awake more, if you sleep more than four hours, you're a lazy piece of shit and you fucking suck at life. That's the hyper militancy. <laughs> That's the hyper militancy that I was talking about earlier. You know what I'm saying? But it started with just, with just eight hours. You know what I'm saying? And again, because I was desperate at this point, the fear, okay? Uh, despite my desperation, the fear of having to live through the guilt of knowing that I, me, me personally failed myself far outweighed the comfort associated with the idea of falling back asleep. It's fucking sucked, dog. The first day that I tried to wake up was a Monday. I'll never forget it. I was so used to sleeping fucking 16 hours a day when I fucking first woke up. It was six o'clock in the morning, which isn't even that early, realistically. Okay. But I remember how fucking pain, it literally sucked. I was like, yo, what the fuck? This shouldn't hurt to wake up this early. Like what's going on, dog? You know what I'm saying? And um, I remember I wanted to fall back asleep. It was like eight o'clock and I was like, oh, it's already been two hours and I still have, it's only morning time. Like what the fuck? I should just go back to sleep. You know what I mean? And I actively considered it, but I started thinking to myself, fuck no, dude, because if you go back to sleep, who the fuck knows when you're going to wake back up? And when you do wake back up, you're going to feel like a fuck. You're just going to feel terrible. You're going to feel terrible because of the guilt of knowing that you personally failed yourself, okay? Uh, and that you took the route of comfort instead of the fucking difficulty of life striving necessary to ensure that you stayed awake. So I fucking slammed a giant cup of coffee. I sat myself in front of a fucking computer and the roots of hood philosophy were born. You know what I'm saying? So again, what I'm trying to say is like, just to circle it back a little bit is the guilt of knowing that when I wake back up again, at whatever time it's going to be, the dishes are still going to be there, dog. The books are still going to be unread. The meditations are going to be left unreflected upon the goals unaccomplished. And all I would be left with is this lonely hollowness of realizing that I'm fucking wasting my life away, bro. And this is where the similarities to hedonism come into play. Again, in short, what the hedonist is going to say is that we should seek to maximize rather the overall amount of attitudinal pleasures in life and minimize the moments of despair. Now, note again the word attitudinal, okay? As many, I, I can't emphasize this enough, but many people emphasize and associate hedonism strictly with physical pleasures. But that's not the case, dog. That's not what the real quote-unquote true hedonists are talking about, okay? What they're going to state instead is that physical pleasures are fleeting. And while they might inspire these brief moments of joy, they inevitably fade away. And what we're left with is nothing more 
than this initial feeling that we sought to avoid in the first place. It's the hedonic treadmill, essentially. You know what I'm saying? Um, where at first, you know, whatever action it is that we're engaging in that brings us happiness might bring us a state of euphoria. But not only is the fucking hangover terrible, it's going to take a moment for us to bounce back. But the next time we engage in this behavior, it's not going to bring us as much satisfaction as it did the first time. And then inevitably, it's not going to bring us any satisfaction until we have to move on to a harder, if you will, drug that will bring us the initial euphoria that we felt the first time. And then we'll just completely perpetuate this cycle ad infinitum until we're fucking buried in our coffin, never knowing true happiness. Nah, dog, fuck no. That's why physical pleasure is no bueno, okay? Instead, what they're stating is that we need to maximize the amount of sustained attitude of enjoyment inherent with the various attitudinal pleasures that bring us, us, individually, happiness, okay? Now, I emphasize the us element as it's here where the importance of philosophy unveils itself, namely the part of getting to know thyself, okay? What I mean by that is like, yo, people your whole life, my whole life have been telling you, me, what we like, what we should do. That doesn't necessarily mean that what they fucking tell us is correct though, right? You might very well be a Raiders fan, even though your fucking family's told you your entire life you're a Dallas Cowboy fan. You may very well be a conservative, even though you fucking grew up in a house full of Democrats. You know what I'm saying? And vice versa. The point is, you won't know the true happiness until we take the moment to get to know our own true selves and see if that is really what brings us happiness. And that's kind of what's going on here with this hedonism. You know what I'm saying? And this Nietzschean philosophy. And it's kind of here, again, where this Nietzschean conception of alcohol comes into play, where he's stating that it numbs his experience of reality, namely, again, the harshness of it, because, you know, of this terrible sense where that, you know, it was terrible in the sense that it didn't cause the harshness to cease to exist. It just pacifies it temporarily and leaves us with the fake love, the fake love here being the everything's all right, man, feeling associated with being drunk or high or whatever the case might be. Okay. Now, it should be noted that Nietzsche, again, spent his whole life, the majority of his adult life on the pharmacopoeia of drugs. So again, take whatever you will, what, take from that whatever you will, all right? What I am trying to say, though, is that at this point, even though it wasn't easy, every day that I continued to wake up early and wash the dishes added to my overall strength. So what I'm trying to state now is like, again, I know what I got to do to be happy. I have the strength to do it, but right now I'm just kind of like, I'm being a weak bitch, you know what I'm saying? But I'll get over it eventually. Because the only alternative is to continue being a passive recipient to life, watching it fucking unfold in front of my eyes like a patron at a boring ass movie, lamenting the very fact that I'm fucking even paid for and sat through the movie the entire time. Or, you know, whether we're going to parlay it to life now, whether you fucking sat back in idly for four months, a year, 20 years, however many seconds of your life that you're never going to get back, knowing full well that at any point you could have, A, not bought the ticket to the movie, not in life in particular. Your mom and dad made that decision for you, right? But, um, you know, the, the boring movie of the patient I'm talking about, but not only did you buy the ticket, but um, you chose to stay through it. So, you know, that was kind of on you, Doug. Uh, and at any moment, you could have fucking got up and walked out if you so desired, if you hated it that much. But you did it. You know what I mean? So what I'm trying to state here then is that my only hope is that I personally, and hopefully you too, that we don't spend the rest of our lives doing this, okay? Because that would really fucking suck, dog. Like, honestly, that is not a fucking life well lived, if you ask me, okay? And I guess in this way, I get a lot of fucking correlation here with, with jujitsu. Okay. And the reason why is because real life, quote unquote, it kind of just pales in comparison to the resolve that I feel you gain from constantly subjecting yourself 
to the demands that stem from something like jujitsu, whether it be the commitment or the ego death. You know what I'm saying? And it's not just jujitsu. I know I'm a fucking meathead. So for me, it's jujitsu. But for you, it could be fucking ballet. It could be painting, whatever the case might be, right? A practice, just any sort of practice that gives our life some sort of fucking intentionality, if you will, right? And if you like it, if you did like it, then ideally, you'd simply take the positives and continue to build on that, right? What I mean by that is that, yo, there's fucking, there's levels to this shit, dog. There's levels to life in general. And we're all on our own journey. Some people are fucking white belts. Other people are purples, right? With even a select more being black and beyond belts. But none will remain in the same position as long as they continue to move forward, okay? And no one will ever reach the final level. This is not a race, dog. It's the point that I'm trying to make myself. I've always had this fucking impending fear or this fear of my impending death, which it is impending, but in my mind, it's like next week. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to do everything now before the time comes. I've been having this next week premonition of my death. It's actually been two weeks, right? Uh, At at any given moment, I'm like, damn, two weeks from now, I'm going to be dead. At some point in the future, I don't know when it will be, but at some point in the future will be exactly two weeks from the point that I die. And that part always, you know, kind of fucked with me. You know what I'm saying? But now I'm trying to settle in a little bit and realize like, yo, it's not a fucking race, dog. And I'm only fucking competing with myself. There is no fucking end goal, okay? And what it boils down to is recognizing that the only thing that you need to fucking maximize is your will to power, okay? Nothing, everything else is nothing more than a derivative of this fact, whether it be happiness, joy, sorrow, whatever, okay? The goal then is to discover this fact and live in harmony with it. A process which is for Nietzsche, at least, and many other people like him, facilitated via philosophy, arguing that the pleasant life is more desirable with wisdom than without. You need philosophy to live this happy life and you need philosophy to help you figure out what it is that you need to fucking devote your life to, to figure out who you are, right? First, you figure out who you are in order to figure out what you're going to devote your life to. So in this particular sense, uh, according to Nietzsche, we're going to need power to be able to fucking even act upon it. The kind of power necessary to A, want to find yourself, B, be motivated to find yourself. But most importantly, above all, to actually go out and fucking do the shit necessary to become yourself. You know what I'm saying? So in this particular sense, then, for Nietzsche... Power is better as a better explanation of many facts than pleasure, okay? Namely, when explaining the role of self-sacrifice and or self-imposed suffering in human history, especially when we tie these to the ideas of self-perfection and self-overcoming, okay? It takes power to be able to sacrifice, uh, self-sacrifice. It takes fucking power to be able to self-impose on, each, on, one, on, our, on oneself fucking responsibilities. God is dead, bro. The foundation for the Western European world is over with, okay? There's no reason that we should believe in the Protestant work ethic. The only reason that it continues to exist is that we want it to continue to exist because we're too weak to confront a reality without it. But guess what? The coronavirus came along and stripped us of that anyways because it's taken everyone from the fucking Monday through Friday, nine to five life for the most part. And it's been replaced instead with whatever the fuck we're currently experiencing now, which if we're following an Nietzschean lens, shouldn't be difficult. Because the truly powerful people have the ability to self-impose meaning on themselves, have the ability to self-impose value on themselves. It's a daunting task. It is not for the weak-hearted, but it is available to those who have the fucking physical, emotional, attitudinal, and most importantly, spiritual strength necessary to make this shit happen, okay? 
So it's this fucking power that leads to this self-overcoming. And it's this, you know, self-overcoming that Nietzsche and like the hedonist too, they're going to argue this, the quality that this, of this power is more important than the quantity, right? So it doesn't matter how much power you have. It's the quality of the power. And as long as the quality of his power can help you overcome yourself, this self that's, you know, this, this life negating self, that's all that fucking matters, dog. So the ultimate aim of power then, at least for Nietzsche, is not, it's, again, it's not its brutish conception, right? Any more than the physical pleasures are not happiness for the hedonist. So in this respect, then what Nietzsche's trying to say then is that basically, you know, power signifies potentiality, Okay. Power signifies potentiality, namely the potential to overcome. So the you that you are unhappy with does not have to be the you that you will live with for the rest of your life. You, I, we all have the power to overcome that self. You know what I'm saying? And that's the power that Nietzsche is concerned with. And it's from here, again, that we circle back to this quote about Nietzsche, about that which does not kill me makes me stronger. Okay? He's going to speak about the inability, rather, to overcome as a disease of weakness that is seeking to overcome power's health and vitality, both of which are measured by its ability to avoid this very fact. So what that basically means is the stronger your resolve, the less susceptible your will to power is, your will to power is to be overcome. Overcome by what? Weakness, resentment, right? The slave mentality, okay? So circling back in jujitsu, like I, I, I don't like to tap. I'd rather take a nap before I tap. Sometimes I'm, my arm is hurt right now because it got snapped the other day. Still worse though, right? And that's part of the reason why. You want to tap me out in jujitsu, dog? You're going to have to fucking earn it, okay? And, you know, and this is kind of where it comes from because let's put it in the, in the perspective of, of two persons, me and the person that's doing the tapping. Let's assume me first. I get caught in an arm bar. It's a, let's, let's not even say arm bar. Let's put a rear naked choke. A rear naked choke is a, is a blood choke. They, they choke you from behind. For those of you who aren't versed with jiu-jitsu and they'll basically choke you unconscious either because your blood circulation or in some cases because you run out of breath okay it's a very uncomfortable feeling and you as the person who's being choked have one or two options you can either tap or nap now many people nap or rather tap immediately because it's a very uncomfortable feeling and rather than have to deal with the feelings of uncomfortability associated with having a rear naked choke applied to you We'll simply tap out knowing that doing so will cause the person who is applying the choke to let go and free that individual of any discomfort that they may have been feeling. But realistically, what did we learn from ourselves in that situation? Nothing, because we didn't give ourselves the opportunity to do so. In fact, I take it back. We learned a little bit of something, something. We learned that we're weak and that we buckle and that we cave immediately without even giving ourselves a chance to fucking survive. Conversely, on the opposite end of the spectrum, and this is just me being real with you all, when I apply a rear naked choke on somebody and they tap immediately, I think to myself, damn, that person not only quit on themselves, but they quit on me too, dog. This is going back to the Nahuatl philosophy. We're talking about how you need your partner is necessary in order for a balanced life. Like, A, you quit on yourself for all the reasons I just mentioned, but B, like you quit on me because what if I couldn't finish the choke? And now I'll never fucking know if I finish the choke. If I, or rather, if I, if there's a game, if there's a fall, a flaw in my game, that's going to keep me from being able to finish the choke because you fucking tapped before even trying to defend it. So maybe somewhere in your defense arsenal is a, is a hole in my game that I'll never be able to address because you didn't provide me the opportunity to do so. You know what I'm saying? So essentially then circling it back to this Nietzschean philosophy, the point is that just name your weakness, dog. We all have them, okay? And test your resolve by seeking to overcome them. 
And the more of these weaknesses that we have, and the more incapable you are of overcoming them, then quite simply, the weaker that you are. And the more work that you have to engage in in order to be able to do so. Now, this may seem inconsequential, okay? And perhaps even hyperbolic. But there is no doubt that true happiness is not to be had in failing to do so, as none of us like to feel as though we are slaves to anything, okay? So in this particular sense, power is just the ability, just to circle it all up, right? To overcome. And the will to power is the drive to be strong, to be capable of overcoming. You can have physical power to overcome physical obstacles and diseases. You can have political power to overcome societal obstacles, okay? You can have spiritual power to overcome spiritual obstacles, mental, attitudinal, and so forth, okay? But the real question then is what is to be overcome? And that, my friends, is an entirely different conversation for an entirely different day. For now, I'm going to go ahead and draw this hour-long podcast to an end. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time. Peace.